got happy hour tomorrow, Retro Metro. We're going to go ahead and also let you register while we're there for a pair of passes to our private showing of The Burbs, one of my favorite movies. Going to do a private showing on Saturday. Now, you can't buy tickets for this. We, we, have, we have all of the tickets. Now, most of you, or I shouldn't say, most of those tickets have been given out to you through online registration that we did but we did have a, a, a some left uh, that one the winner wasn't able to go and we just held a couple back so that we could uh, also you know, do with them what we wanted and one of those things I wanted to do was um, have them to give away at Retro Metro and it's a private showing of the Burbs Saturday uh, early afternoon and if you are going I think the movie is going to start at one o'clock but if you can get there around 12 30 12 45 or so give you time to order and and you know we're gonna banter a bit with you I, I think they have uh, a microphone and so we can just kind of all have a good time it's just gonna be fun and if you were not able to win a pair you can potentially do that if you show up with us tomorrow happy hour four to six retro metro uh, we have an author of the week coming up now. It, what our originally scheduled author uh, has been moved off to next week. We had I actually had her scheduled to pre-record the interview just because of her schedule, and then that didn't happen, and so it was supposed to be at seven thirty-five this morning. It was going to be earlier, uh, but then it, uh, last night they said she's got a flight that's unexpected, and um, you know she's she's someone who escaped Mao's China, and so she is. Uh, she's. We've talked about her before on a number of these national platforms trying to warn America about the direction that the Democrat Party is taking us, given that she has been through the horrors of this um, totalitarian form of government. And uh, so we've um, we're hopefully we'll be able to have her next week. That being said, I wanted to replay one of the authors from some time ago that was one of the more popular, got a lot of feedback, and it actually kind of fits in nicely with what we have been talking about, and that is education, specifically in Springfield. And we're going to talk with uh, Kenny Zhu. The book is School of Woke, How Critical Race Theory Infiltrated America's School and Why We Must Reclaim Them. And, of course, Springfield being one of those schools where they uh, desperately have uh, attempted to work that in. Uh, so that, sponsored by ABC Books on North Glenstone, will be coming up in just a moment. I did. I just want to make a remark, though, as we are going to, between now and the school board elections, the early part of next year, be talking about these elections so that you are informed as to what's going on. Um, the left has the news leader. That, that they're all on this together um, in terms of making sure that there's no voices of diversity focusing on children's education on the school board. And this new pack that is formed is part of that effort. I'm of the mindset when it comes to the issue of specifically the Springfield School Board. I, I understand that at times there are people who have differing opinions that are genuinely motivated. They may be way off the mark. They may be naive. They may be misled, but they're genuinely motivated. They're good people with genuine motivations. And that doesn't mean that you don't hit hard on where they're wrong and their ideas. But generally, the people themselves, it's, it's, it's not so much about them, right? 
But let me tell you why it is for me. There is a very distinctive line that has been drawn in the Springfield School District. And that is because what happened, and many of you are familiar with it, of course. When Dr. M, unexpectedly, as a school board member, was witness to children of color being shipped to MSU and lied to in order to falsely convince them the level of racism was greater than it actually was. That is different than having a variety of opinions of uh, educational philosophy. That's different than having individuals that are all with the same goal in mind but a different approach, having a conflict over the best way to achieve it. That is lying. And for those, without going into all the details, of course, what had happened was she was witness to the students of color, and they were all told, you know, this was in the context of racism by this so-called expert on racism. Close your eyes, raise your hand if you have ever uh, been personally impacted by racism, and about one out of five kids raised their hand. A vast majority, which you would think is a good thing, said they had not personally experienced it. They were told to open their eyes, and then they were lied to and told, all of you raised your hands. And that's the proof of the level of racism that you're dealing with in this community. Now, I know many of you are saying, well, but all the kids that didn't raise their hand would know that they didn't. Well, I'm sure most of them thought, you know, you have a sea of kids that, well, they probably didn't see me not raise my hand. But the point was they were misled in order to make them feel as if things are actually worse than they are. And then when Dr. M simply exposed the fact that they were lying to these kids, they all full court press railed on her, including the news leader, by way of crafting a story about you know how essentially every reasonable person recognized that all she did was make things worse. You had people like Cliff Smart. All of these these individuals in the community uh, that, you know, oh, they're just praised for being so wonderful. Everything they do is great. Here's another award. That were, that were part of the effort to destroy a woman because she pointed out a lie to manipulate kids. That is different. This is why when it comes to the issue of these these battles, if you will, in the Springfield Public School District, this isn't just a difference of opinion. This is a collective of individuals, even outside the district, people that run some of the universities or health centers or the NAACP, that are liars. They are dishonest liars. And not lying to protect themselves from getting in trouble or lying to benefit someone, but lying in order to make kids feel as if they are in a worse position in life than they thought they were by convincing them that racism is something so prevalent that they've all, with the exception of maybe one or two, have dealt with it when they knew that wasn't the truth. There's no gray area there. That's just wrong. It's immoral. And it's why I'm very, there's, you know, No gray area there. All right, news update.
From Color 10 and Fox 49, I'm Jesse Inman. A house fire overnight in Springfield. Police and firefighters were called out to North National Avenue early this morning. All lanes of North National were shut down for a brief time at East Dale Street as they fought that fire. The fire marshal says the home was vacant at the time of the fire and no injuries were reported. An investigation is underway into the cause. NFL legend Joe Montana visits Missouri State University today. The former Chiefs and 49ers quarterback is the keynote speaker for MSU's public affairs conference conference. He was originally set to speak back in September before the event was rescheduled. You can see him at Juanita K. Hammonds Hall for the Performing Arts, with the event getting started at 7 p.m. It is free to attend, no tickets required. And the Texas Rangers are your World Series champions after defeating the Arizona Diamondbacks in five games. From Color 10 News, I'm Jesse Inman. First alert forecast sponsored by St. Clair of the Ozarks Home Improvements from Color 10, Fox 49 meteorologist Tom Schmidt. Sunny 59 for a hot day, 36 tonight. 63 tomorrow, Saturday and Sunday, mostly sunny with a high around 70. Springfield's Talk 104.1. I'm Nick Reed. It is Thursday, which means it is Author of the Week, sponsored by ABC Books on North Glenstone. Want to welcome our Author of the Week, Kenny Shu. He's author of School of Woke, How Critical Race Theory Infiltrated American Schools and Why We Must Reclaim Them. He's also president of Color Us United, which advocates for a colorblind society. And, And critical race theory is something that we've talked about quite a bit on this program, Springfield Public School Districts. It's been a, a real issue. We've had a lot of problems in that area. Fortunately, we've got some of those that also strive towards the colorblind society on the school board, but uh, uh, the forces are real. They're strong, and it seems as if it was COVID uh, that allowed a lot of parents that little peek into what's going on in the classrooms, and I think a lot of folks think of CRT as something that is relatively new, though it isn't, and uh, uh, that's part of what School of Woke is about. I want to uh, thank you for being with us and and tell us a little bit about the history of this. This isn't as new as a lot of people think, that being CRT, is it? Yeah, grateful to be on. School of Woke examines the deeper issues that form the undercurrent of why CRT is being taught in schools and how we can fight back. One of the major things that has been going on, for example, is this idea that we should be blaming white people and racism for the educational issues that are going on in the black community. But the problem with that argument is that the educational issues that are most prevalent in the most black districts are primarily staffed by black administrators, black teachers. And so you can't blame white racism for these problems. So why is this going on and why are we using CRT as a solution? Uh, One of the reasons why it's going on is because the racial achievement gap in this country hasn't closed over the past 40 years. And Blaming white people is a is a way to is a reprieve from focusing on the core cultural issues that are undergirding the reason why achievement has been stagnating in the minority communities in these schools. Has the the battle is it it's been brutal, particularly when this uh, this ruling came down recently, and it's interesting to watch Asian Americans and even in some instances we're seeing Muslims get. Uh, lumped in with white supremacists. I mean, it's just so crazy. Did you, this level of lunacy that we we have seen recently, did you expect it would get that crazy, as crazy as it has has become? Unfortunately, I did. And the reason why is because this craziness protects a industry of victimhood. 
that is that I chronicle in this book, School of Woke. So basically, one of the things you should understand about the public school system is that it is an economy. Okay, it is an economy. It's, there are huge budgets in public schools. In some counties, the superintendent is the highest paid employee in the entire system. What do they do? Well, they facilitate the economy of the public school district. And a lot of times, new businesses and woke activists try to get into the public school system for the purpose of what? Getting the public money. So CRT training, for example, the reason why Ibram X. Kendi, uh, you know, the noted anti-racist author, can charge $40,000 per speech is because the public school system has the funds and the willpower to allow him to do that. So the more the racism narrative is introduced into the system, the more it batters the system into giving woke activists and businesses the power and the money that they want. One of the tactics that that we've seen, and it's been utilized here, it's used everywhere, to some degree of success is to really confuse the issue. Uh, On one hand, they tell us that critical race theory is just sort of this made-up thing that uh, conservatives uh, like to talk about and complain about, and it's not really even a thing. But then on the other hand, they will tell you how important it is to teach it. And if you don't want to teach it, then you want to deny our actual history. Um, For people that do get intimidated or confused into um, not wanting to talk about this or address it, or they're asked, well, can you even define CRT? What do you say to those folks? Let me, I offer the definition directly in the book. Critical race theory is the insinuation that America is a racist country because we still have racial disparities between whites and blacks. Okay, so it preys off of the truth, right? The truth is there are disparities between whites and blacks in this country. The critical race theory makes the insinuation that it's because racism is still alive and well systematically. And the answer, the answer to that, the way we combat that, is by telling them the truth. The truth is it's not racism that is the reason for these disparities. It is culture. Black Americans study an average of 5.5 hours a week. Whites study 8 hours a week. Asians study 13 hours a week. Do you think Asians are being racist against whites because they study twice as many hours as whites? It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. So we have to talk about culture. I truly believe that this issue can be fought back if we talk about the real underlying issues that are going on in these schools rather than blaming it on racism. So why do you think there is such a pushback against those real reasons? Because of the victimhood industry. Because a network of school bureaucrats, and education activists want to protect their own kind. What is DEI, for example? Diversity, equity, inclusion. Most people here on these radio shows have heard of it. Um, Are they actually solving any problems in these companies? Are Are they making life better for employees? No. Every time they come in, all they do is they accuse white management and male management of being racist and sexist. What's the point of that? To feed themselves. Um, they make hundreds of thousands of dollars a year at Google and at uh, Facebook and those kinds of places. And if you think that they're the only ones, that they're only in tech companies, you're wrong. They're in school systems. They're in districts. They're called health equity officers. They are called diversity officers, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it. 
their job is predicated off of the racism narrative and keeping it alive. Oh, yeah, we've got one of those positions, I think, that was created in the last couple of years here in, in Springfield. We're talking with our author of the week, Kenny Shu. The book is School of Woke, How Critical Race Theory Infiltrated American Schools and Why We Must Reclaim Them. Uh, you're clearly, I mean, you're an intellectual individual, and there is great benefit in the public forum having discussions with others that even if they don't necessarily fall in agreement, they have an intellectual approach. But I, I've seen you as so many of our well, our listeners and so many others have seen, particularly after the affirmative action Supreme Court case came down. And, and you watch some of these interviews and it's like they don't even have an interest in, in the facts. I, I know there was one exchange on CNN in which uh, the the interviewer just almost dismissively noted that that there was absolutely no advantage uh, to being black in America versus Asian when it came to testing and scoring to get into colleges. Things that are just factually untrue, but they throw these things out there. And then when you put the truth out there, they, they seem completely unaffected by it and keep moving forward. That must be frustrating for you. School of Woke will put a rest to all of these liberal lies. And I do say liberal lies for a reason. Uh, one liberal lie, for example, is that schools are underfunded for black majority kids. This is not true. Actually, the average black kid is higher funded than the average white kid in America. Of course, it varies district by district. But for, this, for example, for the uh, city of Baltimore, which is a black majority district, 85% black kids, uh, the kids get $21,000 a year per pupil funding, which is fourth highest district in the nation. Guess what their results are? Zero. Zero percent proficiency in math in Baltimore City. Zero percent proficiency in 23 high schools in Baltimore math. Where does the money go? It goes to feed the economy of victimhood. It goes to raise administrative salaries. It goes to teachers' unions, and it doesn't go to help the kids. So the next time you talk with a liberal and a liberal says, well, the reason why black kids aren't doing well is because of funding disparities, use this book, School of Woke, as a resource to combat those lies. It seems as if the answers are so obvious, um, not that the uh, executing them is necessarily easy, but but the answers are obvious, where the problems are, what what isn't a fix versus what could be a fix. And and you mentioned the liberal component to this when it comes to issues such as school choice or anything that deviates from the standard. Uh, the Democrat Party is generally pretty much against it. So you would think that Republicans could take this and run with this. Yet even in areas that are the you know so-called red states, Missouri's one of them, we don't seem to see an offering up of a real alternative. Is that in your assessment because politically Republicans are still sometimes afraid to take on this issue or is it just the bureaucracy at work? What What's the stumbling block here? I agree. I think Republicans are intimidated and it shows because when Glenn Youngkin, for example, won the mm. GOP nomination, he won it um, off of education issues. He won the governorship of Virginia because he ran on education. So it's not like this is a losing issue for Republicans. It's a winning issue for Republicans. Republicans need to wake up. They need to understand that voters are blaming Democrats or, or are capable of blaming Democrats 
for the failures of our education system over the past 40 years. Why? Because it's true. Just look around you. Look at Baltimore. Look at New York City. Look at Detroit. Do you, look at Los Angeles and Chicago. Do they have good school systems? Are they under democratic management? Absolutely. They're under democratic management and they have failing school systems. So Republicans need to carry the banner. Now, in terms of real solutions, I offer that in my book, School of Woke. One of the things that we need to do, if you're a school board member, if you're considering running for school board, look at the funding sources. Look at where the money is going. Follow the paper trail because you will find that these school districts are often financing or overfinancing well-paid, handsomely paid contractors who facilitate woke narratives in our schools that don't help children. Focus on, on student outcomes, on raising outcomes. Discipline your school board at all costs to student outcomes as measured by tests, grades, attendance, and those kinds of markers. And then you will really improve your school system and help to save us from liberal woke ideology. We've seen on a number of fronts what I, I would argue are successes or at least head in the right direction. You mentioned one with Youngkin. Um, there were, if you had several years ago said that school board races would become a national issue, I would have wondered what on earth happened. Of course, we saw how that did become the case. And we've seen victories on a local level in some communities. Sometimes it's a mixed bag. Um, and then again, state level. I, what do you feel is going to be the most potentially successful approach to get this turned around, to get this this wokeness um, eradicated from the school districts? Is it local? Is it state? Is it national? What's the best approach here? It's all three. And I talk about all three approaches because I want every American to feel like they can make a difference. Even if you're just a parent and you're not interested in running for school board, have a dinnertime conversation with your kids. Tell them about the value of colorblindness. Tell them about what you learned as a kid, which is to treat everybody the same regardless of color, because they're being fed the opposite ideology right now. Their teachers are teaching them that race matters. Tell them race doesn't matter when you're considering a friend, Johnny, little Johnny. Now, if you want or are ambitious and you want to get involved in the school board, I think that's a very honorable thing. Do that at the local level by finding these funding sources and pledging to get rid of them. You're going to get a lot of support from there. And if you're considering high, even higher office at a national level, focus on education as one of your key talking points because that is really going to resonate and win over voters and ultimately defeat this industry of victimhood. Out of curiosity, um, you as a, as a person, as an American, how is it that you've ended up where you are, where you do have such a profound interest to the point of understanding of what's going on and, and your leadership in this area? What was that pathway like? I grew, I grew up in a very diverse community, uh, lots of Asians, lots of black kids as well. I went to a school with every race represented, but there was a very clear achievement gap. It was very obvious. The Asian kids were doing the best. The black kids were doing the worst. And I, I became concerned about that. Now, concern about these issues might turn somebody into a Democrat, into a liberal originally. I sympathized with some of those policies because I actually like the public education system. I think it's necessary. Um, but doing actual further study on these issues and really seeing the liberal lies get beaten up by facts. For example, it's not funding disparities, it's cultural disparities, it's family disparities that are at issue here. I think that really turned my head around on this issue and led me to, to galvanize me 
to fight for minority children because I really do care about minority children's achievement. It's just that liberal solutions have not worked over the past 40 years. We need to consider new alternatives. Our author of the week, Kenny Shu, the book again, School of Woke, How Critical Race Theory Infiltrated American Schools and Why We Must Reclaim Them. And when you're over at ABC Books sponsoring this, of course, uh, picking that up, I, I recommend also from uh, uh, a couple years back, An Inconvenient Minority, The Attack on Asian American Excellence and the, vi- uh, the Fight for Meritocracy, which uh, also is from Kenny Shu. Thank you so much. Appreciate you being with us this morning for author of the week on Springfield's Talk 1041. I'm Nick Reed. There are reports that on the surface seem positive, but could it be potentially pointing to something more disturbing? You you had Biden do a reversal, and he has called for a ceasefire. At the same time, it's being announced that uh, Americans are, are being released. Uh, what potentially could be going on here is the Biden administration undermining the Israelis offensive here and working behind closed doors directly with the terrorist and saying, well, we'll go ahead and, and defy Israel and call for a ceasefire uh, if you release Americans here. Um, it, it wouldn't surprise me um, for him to make that move. I suppose, arguably, at least for once, they would be making steps other than just paying cash and funding terrorism to get Americans out, though it could be part of the aid as well. Uh, you know, We know that the push for, the successful push from this administration and others to give, quote, aid to Gaza is actually funding terrorism. So you could have a combination of factors here where the terrorists have extracted more money or the push and approval of more money from this administration, uh, along with a, a undermining the Israeli efforts by calling for a ceasefire, at least, quote, while the, oddly enough, it, uh, and Biden did this last night, he referred to them as prisoners. These are not prisoners. These are hostages. A prisoner is someone who broke the law, was found guilty, and is put in prison. That's what a prisoner is. A, pri- a prison is filled with people that, at least in our judicial system, have been found guilty of offensives. That's not what these people are. To call them prisoners once again downplays, makes it seem as if, well, they probably shouldn't have been there. They did something. These are hostages. So w- what we hope is that this wasn't part of a quid pro quo behind closed doors with terrorists to help them get more funding and to undermine the Israeli uh, uh, effort here. Um, But time will maybe tell, or maybe it won't. Reminder, the new, still under development, though some of the homes open and with builder incentives. Available to you, the Woodvale subdivision, Golden and Weaver. This is an Aller Building Company project. Of course, they have the showroom floor so that while well, you, you may check out one of their brand new homes, you, you, you want a new home, but you want a brand new home, you don't want to do any remodeling and those builder incentives. And you're like, you know what, this is our style. Uh, but if not, and, and the style has yet to be chosen, you get to do that at the showroom floor all in one place, all in one location. It's magical, it really is, and they're, they're a great company. They do a fantastic job. It's Aller Building Company, O-L-L-E-R, and again, you can just, you know, maybe you're in the area, you're driving about, you're like, oh, yeah, 
eh, might as well drive through and check out this new Woodvale development. Golden Weaver. <laughs> Biden yesterday was in Minnesota to visit Dutch Creek Farms to boast about how great the economy is, of course, because they're, they're just not going to let go of this narrative <laughs> telling us how great we have it. According to CBS Minnesota, Biden announced more than $5 billion in investments to rural communities across the country. I, I get, these are taxpayer dollars. Presumably, uh, given the Biden economy at hand, the private industry doesn't have the, the, the resources to do it themselves. And so in an effort to buy votes, come in, hey, guess what? We're going to give you some taxpayer dollars here. The outlet reported the White House says the $5 billion, $1.7 billion, or of the $5 billion, $1.7 billion will go towards what it called climate-smart agriculture practices Dutch Creek Farms has incorporated, which is, for the most part, the only reason in any sort of identifiable way any of these corporations endeavor in any of these green this or green that. It's to get money from the government. Or because other certain companies will only do business with them if they have a labeling of this or that. I was having a conversation with one of the top people at a massive national company. They may be international. And he was talking about all of the meetings with these companies. He says, you will not believe all the crap. And how there's so many of these companies that they, in order to virtue signal, will only do business if you have this green certification or that green certification which in any sort of meaningful way does absolutely nothing for the environment whatsoever and he was talking about how everyone knows that everyone knows it you're buying labels that's all that that is you're buying labels you are not helping the environment at all but there's entire industries off this there are industries that make insane crazy money off the virtue signaling of having that label and it was one of the they just figure that's the cost of doing business today that while on one hand you can stand up and be like this doesn't do any good for the environment whatsoever anyhow this is pointless uh but then some virtue signaling company that oftentimes is run by some left-wing individual that ultimately is just trying to funnel money to left-wing causes uh, will not facilitate business with you. It's all smoke and mirrors. Which is why you have instances like this. you got Biden just going around and you pick these people, these companies rather, that are run by some of these left-wingers that are doing all this funneling money around and you just give some of it right back. I give you $5 million in taxpayer dollars. Oh, and by the way, you only have to use $1.7 billion of it towards this green crap. Now, this is the part, though, that I just think is just, <laughs> I think this is great. There's been a lot of talk about Bidenomics and how sorry it is that Democrats, what they tried to do is own the economy. At one point, while they still believe they could convince people that having less money is a good thing, having prices go up is a good thing, that all this is part of the master plan to make life better for you. 
And their tactic was, well, let's just embrace this. Let's embr- we'll say it's Bidenomics and we're proud of it. Because after all, we wouldn't be proud of something unless we knew it was working, right? But that hasn't worked so much. Biden, apparently, the, the tactic is, no, we're going to double down on this thing. He said, quote, folks, Bidenomics is just another way of saying the American dream. <laughs> oh, that's the American dream now? Well, if Bidenomics, as Joe Biden declared yesterday, is just another way of saying the American dream, then I guess Bidenomics has provided the American dream to people. Shelves that are empty at any given time, baby formula shortages, (laughs) Uh, inflation all over the place. Gas pump price. I mean, you know, interest rates through the. We could just go down the list of of all of these areas that um, apparently that is the American dream, at least according to the Democrats, specifically the Biden administration. I don't know how much more of his American dream I can take. Bidenomics is just another way of saying the American dream. <laughs> Springfield's Talk 1041. I'm Nick Reed. Sarah Myers. Avis, the car rental company, they have this program. It's called the Long-Term Rental Program. You've probably heard me mention it. And it is a great program if you are in the market to purchase a new vehicle soon, but you want to make sure that you are making the right choice before you actually make that commitment. It's also really good if you are a person who likes to lease your vehicles and you're wanting just a little bit more flexibility. And it is also great if you are a business owner looking to add to your fleet of vehicles. Now, um, I wish that the long-term rental program would have been around whenever I was purchasing my vehicle because at the time I had just had my little one and I realized very quickly after I purchased my vehicle that I do not have a lot of storage or space uh, whenever it comes to hauling around all of the stuff that comes with the little one, you know, the car seat and uh, the stroller and the diaper bag and all of that. So it is a really good idea to uh, take a look at that long-term rental program if you are in the market to purchase that new vehicle. Now, if you want more information on, on the program, I recommend that you swing by their store. It's located off of Fort and Sunshine here in Springfield. You can speak to Lauren. And of course, you can find all of their contact information under the Sarah's Endorsements tab at ksgf.com. What are the other things that Biden referenced yesterday when he claimed that Bidenomics is just another way of saying the American dream? Is he, he made a reference to the, the failed uh, notion of trickle-down economics. This is something that Democrats oftentimes will reference that, you know, the, well, it's been proven trickle-down economics doesn't work. Trickle-down economics is not a philosophy it's not a a a policy it is the description of what happens when there is more money in the economy it's undeniable it happens it's like the term waterfall exists why because well it's water falling right it's like saying, well, waterfalls, um, they've been proven that, you know, that 
they don't actually exist or that that term isn't it's like no it's just it wasn't something that was made up it's called that because that's what's happening trickle down is referencing the fact that when you have for example a a, 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 let's just say let's say it's a corporation and we saw this happen during the trump administration with all these tax or tax cuts and what did the businesses start doing? They started hiring new people. They started giving raises. They started giving bonuses. So the benefit, quote, trickled down. We see it with inflation. Trickle down isn't always positive. Again, it's a description of what happens with money. With inflation, when a corporation has to deal with inflation. You feel that. It trickles down to you. It doesn't stay in a little bubble. It doesn't stay isolated. And so, in other words, whenever you have people, I've heard Claire McCaskill say this, Hillary Clinton, Joe Biden, when, they are, when they're saying that trickle-down economics has been proven not to work, they're just denying what is reality. The idea, you know, trickle-down economics wasn't something that was invented by Ronald Reagan. It was just a description of, hey, this is why having, a, you know, a corporation or somebody who's wealthy having more of their own money instead of government taking it is beneficial. Because as you can see, here's what happens with it. It's another instance of the left just pretending as if reality isn't reality. It's it's the economic version of saying our border is secure when everyone can see our border is not secure. Clearly, it's not secure, but they will say, oh, yes, it is secure. In an economy, when you have those people that pay other people and that entity has more money you know, whether it is the direct payment or the expansion of the business, which means you hire more people, which means those people are benefiting. That is just a that is a reality. That's what happens. This is why inflation affects all of us. It trickles down to us. This really isn't that difficult to understand. It's I mean, if you need a, an analogy to visualize, it's like when rain hits the roof. It trickles down. Corporate taxes trickle down to you. Here's one that Democrats might understand because they used it to hammer away at Trump. Tariffs. They had no trouble going to great lengths, including the media, to explain trickle-down economics when it came to tariffs, and that is that any tariffs that were put on products coming from China would trickle down to you. The additional the, the tariffs that they had to pay, a.k.a. the additional cost for their product to be sold here, products over there sold over here, trickled down to you. You paid it. They explained trickle-down economics. And again, I don't even like calling it trickle-down economics because it makes it sound as if it is some sort of manufactured approach to the economy when, in fact, it is just the recognition and the description of the most natural state of an economy. And uh, yeah, you want to... 
here's a perfect example of it in play. There was a local story. The uh, Springfield Citizen. This team of women is creating a movie based in the Ozarks and actually filming it here. And it's about a couple gals uh, from the area and uh, moved out to L.A. And this happened and that happened and so forth. And anyway, they're, they're like filming some movie in this area. And hilariously, they interview... Well, part of the reason that they are saying that the film is being filmed here is because Senate Bill 94, a bipartisan effort in the Missouri legislature, incentivizes the film and music industries to invest in the state, and that's because of tax incentives. It is because filmmakers are able to keep more of their own money, and that trickles down. So here in Missouri, for example... The financial incentives by way of tax cuts or tax subsidies or whatever they are trickles down to Missouri because filming that otherwise would take place place in states like Georgia are instead coming here. So that all trickles down to people here that are going to benefit. And here's what's amazing about it. You know, the two people that are touting this in the newsletter piece, Democrat Representative Betsy Fogel and Democrat Crystal Quaid. Betsy Fogel touting the bipartisan effort, incentivizing them to come here. Springfield Citizen noting that the previous entertainment tax credit expired in 2013, so recent shows like Ozark, Sharp Objects, though set in Missouri, were actually filmed out in Georgia that have those tax incentives. Crystal Quaid saying no longer does a show that's based in Missouri need to be filmed in Georgia. Now these, of course, and this this is how you know that you know, you've got Springfield Citizen whatever the name of the paper is, it's run by left-wingers, is because here they go to two Democrats, one that's running for governor, to tout tax cuts. The benefits of tax cuts to an industry that is filled with the uber-wealthy. What they're touting is, quote, trickle-down economics here. I saw that and I thought, of all the people, so the party that is all about forcing people to pay their fair share and about these evil corporations and the rich fat cats not paying enough and we need to raise taxes, they're the go-to to brag about the benefits of these tax incentives and noting how it actually been. Hey, here's an idea. If we recognize in a bipartisan fashion that having lower taxes for industries is good for Missouri, why don't we just do it across the board? Springfield's Talk 1041. I'm Nick Reed. <laughs> These two stories are just so perfect together. So one Breitbart, it's around this book, Breaking Biden by Alex Marlowe, New York Times bestselling author. And in it, it, it uh, illustrates that former um, President Barack Obama, part of the reason he picked Joe Biden as a running mate, because he was, quote, specifically or the, the pick was, quote, specifically for being bad with money. And it was recognized that by by Obama that Biden was not good with money at all. Um, it came, it went. He was always, yeah, it, he just was bad with money. And he thought that that could sort of counter the elitism personality trait that Democrats often had, that here's a guy that's not that great with money, and that it would appeal to working Americans. The Gateway Pundit, Joe Biden reminisces about bouncing checks. <laughs> So he said from the state dining room, 
that this just recently. I ran for president to make sure the economy works for everyone, and he talked about how he remembered what it was like, quote, when you've bounced a few checks like I did, you know, uh, when I was trying to get started, and then he trailed off anyway. I thought, <laughs> that's the president of the United States. All right. See you tomorrow at uh, Scramblers. I'm Nick.